Hey everyone, this is Jonah Boston, and this is The Restless Podcast. On The Restless Podcast, we interview the most impactful leaders in the business world, starting from our home base of Kelowna, British Columbia. Our mission is to provide our listeners with topics around modern-day business and entrepreneurial methods to help you execute your goals in life. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Restless Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 20 of The Restless Podcast. Episode 20 already. You commented that was quite a bit. I think so. <laughs> I'm happy about it. It's uh, It's been one hell of a ride. Today, guys, we have the privilege of interviewing Scott McMillan, CEO of Exco. Exco. I, I called it XCO at first, <laughs> and, I, and I still call it by accident. Either works, either works. But yeah, Exco was how we started. And yeah, I'm very happy to uh, be 20th on your list. Yep, well... Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This, this area is awesome. Uh, guys, Exco, I mean, they're developing leading edge wearable technology to optimize athletic performance and enhance human health um, through the precision and measurement integration of motion, biometric, and cognitive data. Exco is tackling some of today's biggest challenges across sports, science, and healthcare, and along with their leading private and public sector partners, they are building real-world solutions that matter. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's a mouthful. It is. Yeah. It is a mouthful, but uh, probably going to be one of the most interesting is- interviews that you'll hear um, on this podcast. And this is something that I'm super excited about. So, Scott, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Awesome. Um, so let's get into the backstory a little bit. Where are you from? Talk us through a little bit of your childhood and what you did there and elementary school, high school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I am uh, the product of a farmer's daughter and a uh, son from Ontario. So okay. they raised me in Alberta. And so we lived, uh, I was born in Red Deer. Uh, we moved a bit around the province as my dad took on, uh, kept raising his career. I lived in St. Albert and then a small town outside of Calgary. Oh, okay. So uh, that's what brought me into hockey quite a bit, was being in that environment. Oh, so you played hockey in Calgary? Is that what you did? So just outside of Calgary. Okay. Um, yeah, I played in a, a number of towns uh, around Alberta and uh, up to the point of almost playing uh, with University of Lethbridge. Okay, yeah. yeah. So a little bit of a run then. Yeah, a right little on. bit. Um, who were you in high school? Were you, a, were you a tech guy in high school? Do you have that type of drive when you were, or interest, I guess, when you were in school as a younger kid? Yeah, yeah, I became, I guess, interested in tech quite early on, so... And I think it was largely because my dad was very interested in it. Okay. Uh, he, uh, you know, we had one of the first home computers called a PET, which had this really tiny screen, smaller than a tablet, but you could play cool games like Asteroids on it. Right. I think it came with two or three games. <laughs> um, and then we went to computer camp a couple of years ago. Computer to, camp, eh? <laughs> yeah, learned how to do basic coding. So I was probably nine years old yeah. then. Holy, and, you're like the the mastermind behind all this at a young age, eh? Wow. Yeah, I was definitely not uh, a child prodigy or any of that. That's but, funny. But it got me uh, really interested in it. And then that's also, too, when school started having a computer class, um, introducing students to computers uh, as we went through high school. And, um, yeah, I I just was interested in tech, so looking at different careers and that's what got me interested in engineering, of course, okay. of how to make the technology. Um, uh, I kind of wish now that I had focused more on the computer science side right. of that and my interest there. But back then, coding 
like at school was very difficult. It's not like right. Today. It's not like it is today where you could go on Wix and have like yeah. uh, automatic code or embedded yeah, code. Exactly. You're either dealing with assembly, very low level code, right, or dealing Fortran was about as high level as it got. And I did not get along with Fortran too well. No, <laughs> no. Is like what, what it just buggy or just brutal? Yeah, I don't. It's yeah. I don't. I just uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Probably there was. Just there's so many other things going on too with five other courses, chem labs, physics labs, things yeah. like that. And um, I was actually usually quite good at computer programming and the math side of things, but I don't know. I missed a class here and there or something. Just <laughs> lost track of what was going on in that language. That's funny. Yeah. So guys, we have the uh, piece of technology here, the XPS, correct? That's right. Yeah, and it's standing up on a stand. It's about what is that? Four feet? Four feet tall? Mm-hmm. So I'll post it up on Instagram, guys. You'll be able to see it in the post when we come up with this episode. Um, but so did you go to university? Did you end up going to university? Yeah. So I went, yeah, I went to university and I ended up graduating at the University of Calgary. Okay. Yeah. So I started in engineering um, and that was good and all, but I got a lot more interested in how the body worked. Okay. And that's where I ended up. And because of my interest in sports. Right. Hockey, it makes sense. Yeah. And I played a lot of, a lot of other sports in school, like volleyball and mm-hmm. track and things like that. Um, it was, yeah, I found out about biomechanics and Calgary had this biomechanics program of understanding the body and how the body worked and studying the body. And that really appealed to me. And it involved a lot of physics and, and even engineering courses. So, okay. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, Probably one of the most amazing pieces of technology um, I've came across. Uh, and guys, if you have time to research Xco, uh, you just print it in Google. You'll be able to get a very good idea of of what it does uh, through the medical field, sports industry, and the kind of impact, well, in depth impact it would have uh, on biomechanics and and further along in the body too, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Cognitively and and measuring waves that way. So I guess we'll get a little bit more into that. Now, when you were in university, um, did you have anyone or do you know anyone or maybe you met someone that maybe impelled you to do what you do today? Like, is there anyone that's maybe guided you or mentored you through that time and uh, maybe, you know, yeah. helped you with this, I guess? No, honestly, the f- I mean, early on, the first couple of years, I'd say I was pretty lost at okay. university. Okay, I yeah. was also trying to figure out what I was doing in hockey-wise. Right. Trying to figure so, that boat out, eh? Yeah. yeah. So my You're plan- not going to make it, Scott. No, no, no. I'm going to make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That whole story. So, I mean, I um, my plan, whole plan was to go play NCAA. Of course. But back then, that was pretty new. But totally. in yeah. doing so, being the plan of doing that uh, meant I didn't go to junior camps because right. you couldn't. Once you went to a junior camp, you had to sit out a year at NCAA, right? So even if you went for a day. So I didn't get... A lot of exposure. I, you know, um, I got asked to go to one university, but no guarantee of scholarship. So I just thought that was <laughs> too <on>. risky, right? <laughs> so I went to University of Lethbridge, where, yeah. funny enough, there's a lot of ex-junior players. It's pretty much of a WHL team. Yeah. Um, and I walk on and make that team. Oh, right? there you so, go. There I go. But skip a couple steps. Thing but is, fine. coach as well. You're not going to play a lot. This is your first year. You're yeah. new, and that sort of thing. And it's like, well, that doesn't sound like fun. No. And I've got six courses. I'm already trying and staying up till midnight or one o'clock doing these 20 page or 10 page maybe it was five page lab reports <laughs> not much <laughs> right it wasn't that much you know so i battle all of that so i was pretty lost the first couple of years of, okay you know am i going to stay in engineering what am i going to do should i just quit school play hockey and all that but i decided i was there for school 
stayed focused on engineering. Um, Usually the smarter thing to do, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. And then eventually um, found biomechanics. And that's that's where I got that interest. And amazing. Once you have interest, grades shoot way up. It's amazing what happens when you actually like something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the best, I then went on to graduate work after bachelor's degree. Okay. So master's. So my um, advisor, which so the professor I was under working right. under there, yeah, he was a tremendous mentor. And That's awesome. Tremendous individual and knew the entire, you know, was one of the first in the field of biomechanics okay. and uh, had a really strong academic uh, background to him. And yeah. you know, the, at that time, that master's degree program was was as good or better than a lot of the PhD programs uh, wow. around North America. So. Let's explain biomechanics. What is biomechanics? What does it mean um, relative to sports and in life, I guess? Yeah. I think that for me, coming from a physics point of view, uh, the easiest way I can say it explains biomechanics is studying how the body produces force. Okay. Um, and what, what forces, what that means, right, as far as what those forces produce. Um, so that's everything from, you know, how do people get out of a chair? Right. To how to, you know, how does Usain Bolt run the fastest ever 100-meter sprint? Right. Um, how does Connor McDavid, you know, blow guys away with how he skates? So all of that relates to um, the amount of force uh, each little muscle in the body is producing and is transferring through the joints and onto the ground to push them forward. That's pretty crazy because we were talking about before, before we got on air here, guys, about how they test physical not only physical quickness right but endurance and all that stuff and this system and this piece of technology goes such in depth in a way where you've never seen it before you said splits of a second right Mm, and where in the body are more reactive and then not reactive type of thing right yeah yeah so yeah we study the motion 100 times a second (laughs) yeah so yeah if you need to replay that part please do (laughs) yeah so 100 times a second we know exactly where that athlete is so every yeah it's 0.01 seconds we know your location so with that change in location over time that's your speed and that change of speed over time is your acceleration each of those qualities somebody can be really fast right but not accelerate very fast yeah so or you can have somebody that accelerates very fast like Connor mcdavid but maybe he's not the fastest guy at top speed. Although, in his case, he just might be. <laughs> he, he is a little bit yeah. of both. Yeah, no yeah. kidding. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's our technology is, like we were saying, yeah. is really to replace stopwatches that aren't very accurate, uh, timing gates, which are really kind of tumber- cumbersome. They basically um, do, um, you know, laser beams between them that you break mm-hmm. as you go through them and time you that way. And so you only know your time or where that gate was. So we try to get into not just how fast you went, but why you went that fast. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, so coming out of university, what what was the first thing he got into? Like what was the the start of Scott McMillan in this whole tech space? Yeah. So after undergrad. Right. So it was actually and you know, Alberta was enter we economy was in a recession basically. So unemployment was pretty high. Right. Um, so I didn't have a a job right away. So I ended up volunteering at was really the first Canadian Sport Institute. Um, and it was based out of the University of Calgary because mm-hmm. they had the Winter Olympics there, mm-hmm. right? So did a lot of athletic testing on making Nordic skiers run very far okay. and hard and looking to feel to max and yeah. 
things like running economy, basically how fat or efficient you run. Sure. Um, and then some other sport testing, uh, getting into, um, yeah, strength and power. And I got really interested in then with biomechanics, actually, of that crossover between the basic biomechanics and the exercise physiology. Right. Meaning how does the muscle end up getting stronger? How does it end up uh, being more efficient? Mm -hmm. um, how does it produce force faster? And so that's what I was still very interested in the research side and the, the academics around that, but also the application of that. And I started working at what was called Lindsay Pork Sports Center, the biggest sports center in Calgary at the time, yep, which been, became yeah. uh, Talisman Center after that. And I think now they're... Is that like, Canada like, Olympic yeah. Park? So that's it's downtown. Okay. So just off downtown. Okay. Um, yeah, so luckily there is an environment where I could actually started their first strength and conditioning program for athletes. Yeah. In addition to working with um, fitness clients. Um, yeah, and so grew out of that, and that's what I wanted to continue on into graduate work. Uh, and actually wanted to, at graduate work, study the biomechanics of hockey skating. Because sure. yeah. even looking at the research on it, there was very little, uh, was not well understood at all. Uh, but ended up getting into a project that my supervisor was doing um, in order to get done in two years. So since hockey was so new, right. it would it would have taken years for me to, you know, get a sensors on a skate, measure that yeah. skate, do yeah. a study, write it all up. Um, whereas I was able to get into jumping, and which actually turned out really good and got me to a job at the United States Olympic Committee. Okay. And, and working with them. No big deal. <laughs> yeah, and basically setting up um, a their first jump analysis system. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't do it alone. I worked with their engineers, of course, in their team. Um, and we applied that to Nordic Combined Skiing, where they did ski, yeah. big ski jumps, as well as uh, with the national volleyball teams. So That's crazy, yeah. man. So, During that time, what was the most compelling thing that you done? Like maybe something that sticks out in your brain that you're like, wow, this is the, this is the one thing where I really learned something and has changed the way I think today. During that time? Yeah. Is that there, yeah. Is there anything, you know, during that time that really made made the switch for you? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess, and maybe that had a lasting impact. It kind yeah. of goes back to working with that, uh, uh, you know, my mentor, yeah. that, um, uh, my supervising uh, professor. Um, he, um, he always took it upon himself if he was going to use a tool yeah. that he understood how that tool worked right and every little detail of that um otherwise yeah he he wasn't sure you know wouldn't you be sure about the results or how to properly use it okay and so it was it was really kind of getting into the details and being able to understand not just you know trust a number right if you can understand how that number is produced right then you understand its strengths its weaknesses um, and its limitations and that throughout that work, United States Olympic Committee, that was very important to Adidas, where I went to work after that for six years. You worked for Adidas for six years? Yeah. Wow. So I was where? There. So that was in Portland. Wow. Yeah. That's, that must have been a time. Yeah. In Portland? So that was pretty fun. So. Wow. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, so that, that was a good time, too. The company was doing really well. We got to do a lot of new and exciting things because I worked with the innovation team. Um, and supporting them with biomechanics and physiology research and ideas to basically take products from the whiteboard all the way to the market. And so that's 
So that I guess the second phase of my work life yep. dramatically was that was understanding the whole product development process, how that relates to product marketing. So basically being the innovation group, we got to see the entire side of the business from right. you know having to order an electronic part or how to make, you know, foam in shoes through to uh, how does that sales process actually work to get you know, Dick's Sporting Goods or Sport Check to place Adidas shoes on the shelf in the right place. Okay, so you worked with product integration pretty much, but do you work with um, or at like a specific sport with Adidas? Like, did you target a specific sport, or was it just human performance in general? Yeah, and at that time it, they uh, restructured. Um, they kind of moved from a traditional R and D to like this innovation team concept, yeah. and so we were a relatively small team. At, that point so i worked with a lot of the different product categories okay um and more had to do with you know the biomechanics or physiology expertise so mine came into a lot i did a lot of work on cushioning okay of um how cushioning affected you know the fit and feel so somebody would actually buy the shoe went in the store sure but then also how that impacted performance and so performance as it relates to actually running fast yeah. and efficient and not losing a lot of energy, as well as performance as far as, you know, preventing too much ankle movement that could create overuse injuries, uh, et cetera. So I guess if I'm not running long, I could just blame the shoe. Yeah. There you go. It's always... <laughs> yeah, I could forget about the cardio piece, eh? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I swear I'm in shape. Um, so moving forward now after that, after Adidas, is that when you started Exco? Is that when you kind of started on that path or did you do a few other things before we I... get into Exco? Yeah, well, I guess so. Um, so, like I mentioned, at Lindsay Park Sports, I yeah. guess the entrepreneur side came in. You know, I started up, you know, the independent company of doing strength and conditioning within right. Lindsay Park. So that kind of was, I guess, my first official business. Um, at Adidas, I started working on online coaching of triathletes. Okay. Because um, after the hockey dream was over, um, <laughs> unfortunately, I was a gym rat for a few years, but then found competitiveness in triathlon. Sure. And uh, was. Yeah, it was you know pretty good. I could enjoy racing at it, yeah. and so that then led people asking me to coach. And because of my background in physiology and stuff, I could do that. And so that then, after I left Adidas, became next company was coaching triathletes, and um, we ended up settling in Penticton, yeah. where we could ride, swim, and run. Sweet. Um, and built a yeah a pretty good company here, coaching local and online athletes. Yeah, uh, which. Um, but after doing that for a while, right, was that, you know, that has a ceiling as far as how far you can take that um, sure. unless you become the world's top coach, right, mm. which wasn't going to be me. So uh, I get that's where I got the idea of Exco was right on. on a bike ride. Some of the best thinking is riding a bike was, okay, what am I going to do? What can I make? What can I build a company out of? And uh, that was this XPS technology. Well, I was recently in Vegas, and that's where I got most of my recent ideas. So yeah, <laughs> I guess we're Wait, all did you go to CES? Sorry, you went to CES or no? Turner Electronics Show? No, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I Just wish. The shiny lights. <laughs> yeah, it got me thinking a bit. I was like, oh, I came back with a few ideas. So, yeah. anyways, whether I'm in Las Vegas or somewhere else, I got some ideas from there. Yeah. Um, so, Exco, let's move on to that. What is it? The way I yeah. explain it, and the way you explain it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Exco. I mean, it, it is really, we're really about enhancing human performance and, yeah. and human health. So we're about, you know, taking people where they are at today and 
and bringing them up that performance ladder. And it's at both ends of that spectrum, whether an elite athlete mm-hmm. and we're trying to find those little things to, you know, they're looking for split second improvements, right? right. They can make or break their career. Uh, or can you even keep them in the game longer and mm-hmm. avoid those injuries? Injury prevention. Injury prevention or return from injury. Um, and then in the opposite end of the spectrum, um, we're starting to do a lot of work uh, looking at uh, elderly patients. Yeah. And as body systems decline, uh, looking at early diagnosis of different conditions in that um, as our population ages. So looking at all these frail individuals. And because this is having such a huge burden on our healthcare industry, mm-hmm. um, on our healthcare system here in Canada and around the world, really, um, it's it's a problem that needs to be addressed too. Human sustainability, yeah, hey, eh? yeah. longevity. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's the thing is now that we're able to live longer lives, and we have this baby boomer population coming through, and right. you know, and I think for the first time, I think they just said that majority of the world is now over the age of thirty for the first time. So. Oh, really? We're also, on average? Yeah, on average. Okay, yeah. And what that means in terms of healthcare is by 2050, it's predicted there's going to be 1 billion people who are frail and are therefore going to have some dependency on the healthcare system, whether it's an old age home, it's a nursing assistant, mm-hmm. a wheelchair, uh, medicines, uh, or more advanced care at a hospital. Okay. Yeah. So this piece of machinery that I'm looking at right now, uh, XPS, correct? Mm-hmm. How does it work? How does it detect the human uh, on how they move? Is it is it waves? Is it yeah? What is it? Yeah. So that talking about the technology, that's some of the fun part of of all this. Right. Was um, yeah. The concept was you know growing up hockey, doing hockey, we didn't have any feedback. Uh, we were talking about that as far that's as right. the yeah. coaches going there. Hey, pick it up, pick it up, go harder. What's wrong with you? Bend your knees. You need to be quicker. Point you know, your feet this way. Don't bend over so much. Yeah. You know that. I mean, you don't have no idea if you're really getting better if that coach knows what he's talking about or not. So, um, in triathlon, it was totally different. Come you know, like 2005, mm-hmm. we now have heart rate monitors. We have these power meters that measure how much power is being produced on the bike, so you can pace an athlete in their workouts so they get the best results from that workout. Um, same for running and swimming. You got times, et cetera, to work off to get faster. And so that's why I was like, well, hockey players want to know how fast yeah. they go. They want to yeah. get faster. Everybody, the second they get on a bike, they want to learn how to get faster. Yeah. They want to run faster. And soccer players want to run faster. Or football players want to run their routes faster and all that. So how do we do that? And we looked at GPS because GPS does that, right. but just not very accurate. So it's not accurate enough for high speeds. We look at timing gates, so they. But again, you have to set up these gates, and me, even me as a personal trainer, would never want to lug that out, set it up, and it just doesn't fit when you've got, you know, you're trying to book people hour after hour. Yeah, so, sorry, and like and yeah. even the time isn't enough. Like that's why I'm looking at it, and that that's, goes back to our conversation that we had earlier. That's where it gets so contradict, like contradicting, and you can have arguments about this all day long, but timing isn't accurate enough, even at the most accurate of time. It's like I started at this line, that line's over there. I ended at that line, and you have a stopwatch, or you have a timer, or you have a you have a wing gate, you have anything to measure time or, or CO two max, anything. It's not enough, yeah. you know. This actually, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this actually measures the biomechanics of where you move, how you move, how fast you move in every joint, pretty much in your body, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, we we measure the outcome of how right. all of that moves, so we can look at. Um, as I was mentioning with biomechanics, yeah. we study the forces. So 
through acceleration, acceleration is directly related to the amount of force you produce. So the more force you produce, the faster you're going to move forward. That's right. Yeah. Um, so with our acceleration measurements, we're seeing step by step or stride by stride how much acceleration is being produced and how long it was produced for. So which means your speed is going to rise and rise and rise the more acceleration you produce. And yeah, instead of just having that finish time, say if yeah. you went end to end on the ice, um, we're able to tell you, break that down as far as what was that first stride? How strong was that? What was then those first three steps? You know, how, how was that first 10 meters? How, because mm-hmm. that in hockey, that first 10 meters, you know, is often where you break away from somebody, right? right? And then, but maybe that person has really good top speed. They're a good back checker or they're the type of yeah. person to do power winger type person, right? So, um, that's where, yeah, we can break it down and, and see where those strengths and weaknesses are from a macro level, but then also that micro level of is the right leg stronger than the left leg sure, um, and things like that. Now, when you measure, so let's just say, uh, and I'm just relating it to hockey because I'm a hockey agent, but let's just say I have a client on the ice and he gets videoed his stride and there's an individual that's saying, hey, look, your knee isn't bent properly and they draw a line. To, to show you this is how it is look, looking right now. This is how it should look. What is the difference between that identifying? You could clearly see that a knee isn't bent enough or, or, or a foot isn't pointing in the right, right direction. Yeah. What is the difference between that and what XPS data can provide, mm-hmm. I guess? Yeah, so the piece they're missing there is, is it a good idea to make them bend that much more? So in right. theory, um, yeah, there's an ideal look to a stride, mm-hmm. right? So we look at the best skaters. Um, and we developed this concept of each strength coach goes, okay, they should have this much uh, trunk flexion, so how much they bend over, this much knee flexion, mm-hmm. uh, ankle flexion, extension, how quick they bring, you know, all these different things they're looking at on video. What we do then now is uh, put that all to a performance outcome. So right. is, you know, w- where was that player before they met that skate coach on that video? Right. How fast did they move? And then they made this change based on their advice. Did it really impact their performance? So that's the data we provide. And we can provide, again, that breakdown of, of which piece, not just that they got faster, but, okay, he, it really was a better stri- you know, acceleration stride, right? Um, it actually hurt them at top speed, say. Okay. You know, yeah. Things like that. So when you were building this up, what was the biggest barrier challenge when producing this system? Is there anything that sticks out that maybe was a headache forever and you're trying to get past a certain barrier? Maybe that was a rule. Maybe that was a law. Maybe it's just a piece of data. Is there anything that sticks out for you? Um, it's radio wave based. So yeah. we are dealing. So that's a bit of that. <laughs> Call Telus, eh? Yeah, I, I, I can't see. I don't have good internet here. I uh, yeah. He picked this up. <laughs> So we use um, radio technology that's called ultra-wideband radio waves. Okay. Um, so it used to compete with Wi-Fi for being a home network. Uh, Wi-Fi obviously won out, um, yeah. and ultra-wideband kind of went away. But they improved ultra-wideband to do better location determination. And so that's what we use it for. However, we are dealing with this phenomenon of measuring these radio waves between where the person is and this device to measure their exact location in three dimensions. Right. Uh, and so 
What happens with radio waves is they can bounce off the ice, they can bounce off the walls, bounce off the gym floor, and interfere with one another, and you can have other interference. So it's, radio waves are a really big challenge um, from you know that basic property that presents itself at our tracking hub okay. to actually producing how fast you go. Interesting. Yeah. Very so, interesting. So that and... I mean, we have very, yeah, we've got um, very experienced and uh, smart engineers, and it still takes a lot of iterative testing to yeah. get through um, and to produce these results reliably over and over and over okay. again. And that's where we're at now. Very interesting. So how do you sell this product? Do you go there with, obviously, you're going to show up with that thing. Uh, and you're going to do examples, and then you're going to give them. What do you just give out that data and say, "Hey, this is what we could provide to you. Um, let me know what you think," type of thing. And then they could relate it to what they're originally doing, and then boom, there's the value type of thing. Is that how it's approached? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, basically we approach it um, from showing them. Uh, yeah, when it, a lot of it's around the ease of use too. So they exactly, maybe using yeah. a stopwatch, and then they write it on a clipboard, and they. You know, write it down on the computer. Mm -hmm. Others are using timing gates that are integrated, that sort of thing, but they have to set everything up. So yeah. the first part is it takes a couple of minutes to set ours up. And often is that all you do? The type of response, right? And then we have <laughs> then we have the It's app. crazy advanced guys. Like yeah. if you saw this right now, your mind would be blown. <laughs> yeah. Like so and then um, yeah, it's basically a one, two, three setup. Turn on the hub, turn on the tag, which goes on the person that gets tracked. Yeah, literally. And a we button. turn on the app. Right. Yeah. And then they we set up. We have different. They will show them that hey, if you're going to do a 40 yard sprint for football, just like they did last week at the combine. Yeah. Is you hit 40 yards, um, sprint, um, and then it's ready to go. You hit done, and the person you tell them to stand still, and they say ready, set, go, and they go, and then when they cross 40 yards, the results pop up in the app. So right there, there's the basic value Jeez. of getting that immediate time. Right. And then we start to show them, okay, not only do you have that final time, but you can look, and if that was a receiver, you're very interested in how fast they are off the line. So what does that first 10 look like then? And then what does that next 10 after that look like? Mm -hmm. So that 20 yards foot. And then what is their top speed as they get to 40 yards? Very so we, we always have to, and that's what we're getting better at right now, is relating it to who that customer is. Because hockey is different than football. Yeah. It's different than track. Fundamentally, everything is on the same foundation. All these athletes do some form of sprint training, agility training, mm -hmm. and jump or explosive training. Um, and so that's what gives us a really big and exciting market, you know, in this multi, well, some would say trillion dollar sports space. I mean, right? we could talk about so. this forever on where this would fit in. Mm -hmm. We could go all day. There's a lot of applications. And that that's getting to challenges is one of the challenges is, yeah, we, we can't keep going in a hundred different directions. You know, we, right. you need to get some momentum going yeah. and have focus. So, Maybe have a niche first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we're finding that, um, you know, in these, really in these team sports, right? So you take the five and North America because we're here. Of right? course. It's yeah. easier to access that market. Yeah. And so hockey, football, the first, you know, hockey in Canada is the sport. Football in the States is the sport. Uh -huh. But soccer is, you know, where the most participation is. Okay, yeah. And now, and you've got a lot of really good club organizations. Uh, there's a lot of use for it in baseball and basketball as well. So. Where do you manufacture this product? 
Uh, so we do plastics manufacturing in China. Yeah. And we do the electronic manufacturing in Canada at this point. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Uh, now, moving more towards the medical field, um, what barriers do you have to face with? I mean, of course, there's the barrier to entry in that type of market is so much higher. Um, what do you face with regards to rules, laws, Health Canada, maybe that stuff? I don't know. Like, yeah, That's a great question. So um, there are, yeah, obviously dealing with patients and the care of patients. There's a lot of considerations. Um, and so, um, I mean, we are fortunate. So we're on what you would call a medical instrumentation side of all that regulatory base. So we're not coming in and saying this is going to cure cancer or this is going to fix your broken leg and things like that. What we're basically doing at a fundamental level is providing measures, again, of performance of that mm -hmm. patient to the doctor. And it's the doctor who's making the decisions based on that information. Right. So for us, we do have to protect the patient's data and the privacy around that. Yes. So, um, but luckily that's been going on now for, what, since 2000. They so. have systems in place. So for that. there's 19, yeah, yeah, that's well developed now. So we just, yeah, we fall in, we, we put our data in the right type of database and follow all those rules. So that's, that's all set up. Um, okay. The, and then it's just on the, again, on that care of that patient, impacting that care. Um, that's where we can start in that market by mm -hmm. providing a tool that provides the data. Okay. I think as we want to grow out the health vision, sure, we'd love to say, hey, this is this test provides an early diagnosis of Parkinson's. Um, but, oh, that's crazy. But uh, yeah. yeah, and that's where we want to get to eventually. Um, as far as getting into the market is, yeah, luckily – um, I partnered and have a tremendous uh, mentor in, in Jim Miller who's been in uh, health device and mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals uh, for his career. And so um, we, uh, there's, you know, we, we're not building a direct to, you know, uh, bringing the products into the channels ourselves. Okay. So we recognize there are key channel partners yeah. that we want to fill the channel with. Um, and work with them. So we're not going to, yeah, you know, end up having to spend that, that big, you know, capital to uh, develop that big sales and marketing team to do that. Okay. Now for you right now, how do you, uh, actually first, did you have to come up with any, uh, did you go to like any venture capitalists like to, to give you this, like some funds to start a company like this? How, mm -hmm. how did that process work if you did that? Yeah. So we, yeah, there's, I, I think we went a pretty typical route. Yeah. So, um, you know, first stage is really friends and family. Sure. So, yeah. you know, hey, we got this idea. Who do we know in our network? And again, luckily, partnering with Jim, he's got a pretty good network. So we started with, you know, a few close uh, people we knew to yeah. invest in the idea, and they loved it. Um, we proved that out. And upon that proof, now we're able to take it to a wider audience. So just going further out from that network right. um, and approaching – you know, there's a pretty angel investor network, they call it now. So these yes. are individuals, you know, say aren't part of your friends network mm. or professional network, but are individuals that are willing to go see your presentation um, and invest in early stage ideas mm. and, and companies. And so we're, when we started out uh, four or five years ago, um, there were a couple angel um, networks. And we've seen it grow tremendously now to 
or you even have good angel networks uh, in the Okanagan here. They do tons of stuff. Angel Summit, it's yeah. crazy big yeah. now. Okanagan yeah. Tech does a good job. Yeah, and it's really good for the entrepreneurs too yeah. to be able to present your company and they ask questions they need answers. Some people mm. would say difficult questions, but really it's questions that you need to be able to answer in order to run the business as well. Yeah. So. Now, the way I think about it is either two ways here. Your business plan could have been easy as hell like four or five pages of like hey this is simply it or it's so complex like was it one or the other or was it just like uh I'm yeah just trying I mean, to, i'm trying to imagine yeah, business guess, plan for this thing yeah no i mean we um even again with the early investors yeah. recognizing these you know these are sophisticated people that yeah aren't gonna just throw their money away i mean just right? looking so, at that makes trumps any piece of paper anyways or mm -hmm. I mean, it's obviously important to have future yeah, plans. But this didn't. We had pictures of this. Okay. So this yeah. didn't exist when we were right. approaching investors. So it really was an idea that, and some math equations. Of course, right, yeah. That and then it, you know, within I guess three months, you know, we had we don't have it here, but in the other office, we have this Frankenstein huge looking thing that could track something, right? Yeah. Can measure precisely the location. So that, you know, that was like the first year it was nailing down the core location. And then we got into actually tracking, you know, things moving at higher speeds, things moving outside and inside and working through all those issues. Right? A lot so, of trial and error experiment, yeah. lab experiment type action going yeah. on here. Yeah. So really it takes, um, I mean, really the early stage investors are incredible people. They do it for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them is because it's exciting. Mm -hmm. Other reasons are because they can relate. They started a company like that that yeah. was risky, and now they, they want to help uh, more companies grow like that. Um, and other people are looking for the home run financially, right? They, yeah. They'll invest in a lot of these risky companies, but a lot of them to, you know, and one of those will, will pay off for all the investments. That's amazing. Yeah. Super, so. super cool. Um, now, I guess moving on to some entrepreneurship questions. Are you a morning routine guy? Do you do that stuff? You know, do you have some sort of crazy mastermind routine that you go to day by day or are you just waking up and get to the office type of thing yeah maybe i should um, <laughs> do you read do you what um, do you do yeah uh no i my mornings i think are pretty typical pretty so, typical yeah, yeah. coffee um, maybe a piece of toast exactly so well yeah i think well you know my i mean i've been in this human performance now for some years, years yeah. right Back to, like I was saying, you got really good introduction in Calgary with working with Olympic athletes in yep. undergrad. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you have the fundamentals right, you're able to keep and prove yourself yeah. over and over. So for me, the fundamentals are, you know, I have to be healthy, right? So that's exercise, have to eat, you know, somewhat good. I am far from what you would say. People would look at well, my dip. Diet is balanced, right? Yeah. So it's carbs, it's meat, it's vegetables, it's fruits. It's not all or any of any of the above, right? So sure, yeah. So I, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm in this field too, is because I've highly value exercise and how important an activity is to everybody in order to be healthy, young, old, middle aged, etc. So, and sleep is the other part. Sleep's sleep huge. Sleep is huge. So. You see a lot of burned out entrepreneurs. Right? Yeah. And that, certainly I would say I've been unhealthy. There's been, you know, months at a time where, yeah, I've gone with lacks of sleep in order to get 
try to push this company forward, trying to yeah, get over Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right? And that sort of thing. And they're stress related to that. Um, but I guess I'm, I'm pretty good at recognizing where my limits are before that turns into, you know, a big health issue, right? Or which could range from physical health to mental health, right? Of course. So in those battles. And um, I think that's, it's really good now in the last year or so, you're seeing a lot of awareness around that with entrepreneurs of being able to talk about mental health um, because there is so much stress involved because you're dealing with your finances, you're dealing with your family's finances, yeah. you're now dealing with these investors' finances, you're dealing with employees' you know, finances and their livelihoods and the decisions you make and the way things go, um, yeah, can be a heavy burden depending on how you handle it. Yeah, it's crazy how social media has amplified this stuff in a good and bad way. I mean, it's a good, bad, and the ugly for anything in life, right? Um, obviously, helping tremendous amount of companies reach financial success and getting the right exposure and making sure they're targeting the right people. But at the same time, you know, all of these things didn't change from... 30 years ago till now, you still had to make sure that you're accommodating to your employees, you're accommodating to yourself financially, investors, all that stuff. But now you go on the internet and you're seeing the pressure of people, other people who are doing well, in quotations, right? Mm-hmm. And then it makes you just think even more and your brain's racing and it causes, yeah, depression. It's a big thing, anxiety, yeah. right? Uh, you thinking that, oh man, I got to catch up to this guy. You know, he's doing so well. Look at his pictures. He's in Bali right now. What is happening? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. so it's crazy now. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it, to me, it's it's a bit of form of jealousy, right? Yeah, and yeah. so it's it's yeah. I've been kind of this entrepreneur road, um, apart from working at Adidas, where hey, they have a nice what you call four hundred one k, which is kind of like sure. RSPs, yeah. right? Retirement type stuff. Um, so that was a I, even then looking at my friends who had started work like five years earlier, or yeah. six or seven years earlier, and they've already got these big houses, and sure. these nice cars, and starting to have kids and things like that, right? So it's easy to, like, yeah, certainly that impacts of that. And um, at the same time, um, yeah, I mean, you got to have work on your own self confidence that, mm. okay, well, this is, and work on your own objectives mm. of, and what excites you, find that what excites you to put you on that path to getting what you want, right? No, oh, exactly. Um, so that's, uh, I guess, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to be able to go from w- one area to the other. And that's what's kept me with Exco and keep pushing this along, um, even though it's been a very challenging <laughs> technology. Probably, yeah. You know, and it'll um, certainly it's, it doesn't all of a sudden start selling millions of yeah. it on its own, right? Six so, times. It takes work. It takes everything. Uh, yeah, unless you're one of the lucky few. Um, yeah, there's it takes a lot of work ethic. And again, I mean, you were talking about practices in the morning practice. Yeah. And again, like, yeah, I don't have a specific morning routine, but uh, growing up in athletics and then coaching athletics, so coaching these people to complete Ironmans yeah. and, and dealing. So there's huge anxiety. And I see a lot of parallels with that, mm-hmm. with um, being in startups is – is recognizing, you know, the first thing is to recognize it, right? It's like, okay, right now I'm really anxious, right? Some usually there's a physical reaction, you're sweating or you're awareness to shake, yeah. right? I want you to recognize that as being able to get the body to relax, treat that symptom, right? And that immediately calms you down. And then you can start to think about, okay, why did I start to get anxious? Yeah, right, and start to work on that. Um, maybe you're able to work on that on yourself, or talk to a coworker, or family or a therapist, you know, it depends how deep it goes, mm-hmm. right? But 
um, find the root. You want to work on those things because those things start to hold you back. You don't want to end up working on a big deal across the table and all of a sudden that comes up and it freezes you, right? Sure. Uh, So you want to uh, find these types of coping mechanisms and uh, and a lot of it too. I mentioned confidence is a big part of that and your ability, what you see as your self-worth and uh, to overcome that and be able to uh, keep moving forward towards your goals and objectives. So, yeah, in sports, we at an elite level, you you kind of end up with a system to do all that. And I yeah. don't think most people end up with that. And that's one of the fortunate things of being in competitive sport is kind of like being in the military is you've been exposed to this procedure mm-hmm. that a lot of people, um, unless they're with a great company, and kind of on a management track, haven't gone through that process. It's amazing the the transfer from sports to business. It's like I, I just got to mm-hmm. continue doing the same disciplinary actions, like habit wise, than I've been doing before. So, no, you're absolutely right, man. Um, thank you so much. Uh, lastly, one more thing: what is your goal for Exco in uh, the near and long term future? Near and long term future. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, near term. Yeah, it's to get um, Dash is what we call the product based okay. on the XPS technology. So yeah. that's our sport product, right? So yeah, it is to become the standard for uh, sport testing, uh, sport testing, and be, yeah. start to become the tool even used in training, so that athletes can become better engaged with the data. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess the long term, that would be the long term yeah. goal is that they're able to use the technology um, because they enjoy it. They enjoy. They under, see, we talked about that before the podcast as well, is now the athlete can see where they're at. Right. And so that, bringing back to anxiety, reduces their anxiety. Totally, of, yeah. So we're Okay, I'm not worried about my knee anymore. It's fully recovered. Yeah. Or I'm not worried about that concussion I had. I can see I'm better than ever. I'm not worried about being weak because I'm no longer weak. Um, so you have that awareness. They have that awareness. And they become engaged. We really see the starts of that engagement now and creating those talking points between the athlete and the coach. In addition to the greatest thing is now they see that improvement. Boom, they've been rewarded for all that hard work they've done, listening to the coach, doing the exercises, doing the training. They get the endorphin rush from seeing the achievement. Love it. Thank you so much, Scott. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode, uh, episode 20. Like I said, stay tuned. It's going to be coming out. Well, I might as well not say that because you're going to be listening. It's going to already be out. Um, but thank you so much, guys, for listening. Uh, episode 21 coming out in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And remember, never settle. Stay restless.